Welcome to On the Brink, a fresh lens to take you and your business to new heights. Hi, I'm Andy Simon. I'm your host and your guide. And you know, my job is to get you off the brink, to help you soar again. And you, like many of our clients, come to us when they're stuck or stalled and they're trying to figure out a better way to grow, to learn new things, to change their life so for the better, to get more purpose, focus, whatever it might be. And I go looking for people who can help you do just that. Remember, you have to see it and hear it for you to think it. And so today I have Alain Gouillot from Toronto. Am I correct? Is that where we are? Uh, I live in Montreal. So in Montreal. close. Close. Well, I was on his podcast and I um, was fascinated both with him as well as how he was developing that podcast in an industry that's growing rapidly. So I'd like you to listen to his own journey. Because it isn't a straight line from I want to be a podcaster to ah, I found it. But he's also doing some remarkable things with the guests that he has. And I was honored to be on it. So, Alain, please tell our listeners about yourself and your own journey. And, and let's bring you alive to them so they can hear you unless they're seeing you on this wonderful video. But you are a, an amazing person and what you're trying to achieve. So who are you? And tell us about yourself. Well, uh, first of all, I live in Montreal, Canada, uh, but I'm from Colombia, South America. And well, the story begins as far as I can remember when I was six years old. So at that time, I used to live with my grandmother. My mother and father, they were very poor. My father was going to law school and my mother used to work as a seamstress and she used to uh, pay the bills. And because they couldn't afford me, I used to eat a lot. They sent me to live with my grandmother. Now, my grandmother, uh, she was very tough. She loved me immensely, but she was very tough. And one thing that she loved to do was to take me to church with her, okay? Not only take me to church, but to force me to go to mass with her every Sunday. And I used to do what little kids do, which is run around and scream and play. And that's not what you do in church. So every Sunday after church, I used to get spanked. <laughs> and, and my mother was not kind. My grandmother was not kind. She used to just hit me hard. But then the rest of the week, she would fill me with love. And what this did was that it created an aversion toward institution and religion itself. So I, 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 I had this little thing in my mind that I didn't like institutions, I didn't like church, and I didn't like being spanked. Eventually, my father didn't graduate from law school. My father, to uh, fit the stereotype, I'm from Colombia, my father got involved with drugs. And now he begins to make money. And not only make money, but enormous amount of money. So we want from being poor, not being able to afford food, to being practically stereotyped, the Mercedes outside of the door and the gold chains and all these things. So I grew up in this environment until, as it always happened, my father got caught. So we went from hunger to richness to being in poverty once again. And at this time, I was like 17 years old. And I decided to leave home. I had a girlfriend. I said, mom, goodbye. I don't like, I don't like sticking around here any longer. 
I'm going to live with my girlfriend. She's cute and uh, goodbye. So, uh, of course, it didn't happen like that. We, my mother and I had a few disagreements and that was the end result. So I just left. And then my life took a spiral to, to the worst. I got involved with the wrong crowds. I got into alcohol, drugs, exploring sex. Uh, I lost, every time I got a job, I lost my job. I couldn't stay still. I wouldn't show up for Mondays. Uh, I, from time to time, I used to spend the night in my car, in the backseat of my car. Other times I used to break into empty houses to spend the night there. And I used to have some friends who were going to college. And at times I used to sneak in line with them in order to have a free lunch. So I lived that life for, uh, I don't know, about 10 years. And one day, uh, or through a process, I got tired of it. I got tired of just practically begging for food, of being hungry, of not having a place to stay. I, uh, I, I got tired of not having dignity. I got tired of feeling sorry for myself. So I, I went back to my mother. I said, mom, you know, I been, I haven't been the best son <laughs> and uh, uh, I need your help. So we made a path. We made an agreement. I wanted to get out of the country because I, I see that I was just in, uh, in the bad environment. And one thing that creates success or failure in oftentimes is our environment. If we don't change our environment, we're just going to just rot, you know? Uh, so I wanted, that was the idea that I had in my mind. I had to get out of here. I had to change the way I live. I had to change my friends. I had to change my outlook of life. So my mother and I came to an agreement. She said, listen, I don't have that much money. You are a grown man now. You are almost 30 years old. Uh, this is what I can do for you. I can pay for you for one year of college education. And then after that, you are on your own. And at that time, I had it in my mind that I wanted to come to Canada. I stumbled upon some National Geographic magazines and I thought it was just a beautiful place, amazing people. Um, and I thought that that was the place that I could create a future. So sure enough, um, my mother helped me out. I, I'm so grateful for her, uh, but I was ready for that help, you know, because sometimes of the time, uh, people have their kids and they force their kids to go to school, these prestigious schools of the other one. And the kids are not ready or they don't value what they are getting. And at that time, at one time when I was 17, that was me. I didn't value what I was getting and I threw it all away. But at this time I was ready. I was ready to improve myself, to change my life, to get an education, to start maybe a career, who knows? But I was on the track of a positive mindset of wanting to improve and I, I was hungry for something better so I come to Canada I don't have that much resources my mother told me she would pay for one year of my education not four so I started working under the table as a janitor uh, as a waiter as a boss boy in supermarkets because as a student, I was not allowed to work. It was illegal. Anyways, I, I, I shouldn't have been working. And little by little, I accomplished my things. I, I barely passed. I was never a good student. I don't even consider myself to be too smart. In fact, I feel like I have always been struggling. 
But I passed. That was my whole goal. I just had to pass whatever D minus or B, whatever. But my uh, my instructors took pity on me. I got a diploma uh, and in the financial sector. And I wanted to become um, the equivalent of a Wall Street banker. And I got a job as a financial advisor in a banking institution here in Canada. And it didn't work out for me. Uh, we were selling products that, in a way, we were taking advantage of the client's ignorance. So uh, that means we have beautiful graph, colors, pie charts, whatever, showing them how much potential there was in the investments that we were offering them. But in fact, we were charging them a huge uh, management fees and the possibilities of them becoming rich was not as big as the possibility of me getting rich with the commissions or my employers with their service charges. And I felt dirty. I felt every time I made a sale, I felt disgusted with myself because I knew better. Now I had four or five years of education. I knew what could be of advantage for a client. And I know that I was not offering that. So I, I really felt bad for myself. And one time my um, supervisor was upset at me because my sales were not keeping up with the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. And and he was telling me that because of me, we are not going to our team is not gonna win the contest, the next trip to Cuba or whatever it is, the golden pen or whatever competition we were doing at that time. And um, you know, I said, you know what? I quit. I said that without thinking. It was just just came out of inside of me without any and I saw those words coming out of my mouth and I wanted to grab them back you know because I wasn't ready I didn't have the means to to uh to do anything else but once I said it I said okay I'm going to own what I said and I quit my my uh, supervisor says oh you know you are too emotional reconsider see you tomorrow morning whatever but no I quit and um when I was going to college here in Canada, I had a girlfriend who convinced me to take dance classes with her. You know, she said, I know you're working. I know that you're studying, but I just want a boyfriend who will take me dancing on the weekends. And I fulfilled that part of my my agreement with my girlfriend. We used to go out dancing every Sunday or, or, or Saturday and and we became good dancers. And not only that, but when we were doing that, other couples would ask us, hey, how do you make that move? Or how do you do this? And how do you do that? And eventually, through that journey, some couples say, listen, I'll pay you for one hour and you show me how you do whatever move you're doing. So it became like a little side hustle. And when I lost my job, I said to myself, I'm going to just... Uh, put advertisement all over the, the universities that I give dance lesson until I find the next job because I was uh, I was uh, planning to look for another job and this was something that will help me pay the rent until that happened. But it so happened that as soon as I did some advertisement and I guess the, my enthusiasm as and my personality was so contagious that. My agenda was full from the beginning to end. 
every possible hour that I was available, it was filled. Wow. And then I said, wait a second. I am not earning a lot of money, but I'm so happy. I'm dancing every day with these amazing people. They are just come here happy and they live even more happy. And my social life is incredible. I think I'm going to do this a little bit longer. And then I met a person who later on became my business partner. Uh, so I used to teach a dance called salsa, which is a Latin American dance, and another one called Argentine tango. Mm -hmm. And I met uh, my uh, uh, business partner who used to teach ballroom. And we met at a party and we decided, you know what, you and I, we could build an open school Yes. And teach together, you know, with your community and my community, we will build this up and let's see where that takes us. And she said, yes. So we did that. And I guess it was because at that time there were a lot of the TV shows that were related to dance. We were a success from day one. Wow. We had a community. We emailed everyone. We told them we're working together. This is why we... And what we... Uh, focus on was to build a community. We were uh, not the best dance teacher, but somehow people felt good when they, they would come to our school. And that, uh, the world got around and we became, uh, within a year or two, the most profitable school in the city. And, and, uh, and yes, we were very happy with that success except that, you know, be careful what we, you wish for because you may get it. So uh, what that means is our school was so successful that now I was working 10 hours per day, six, seven days a week. And we did that for many years. And we were getting paid good money. We were getting paid an average of uh, $100 to $200 an hour each. So when you count that 10 hours per day, seven days a week for many years, we were able to accumulate yes. a good amount of uh, uh, funds. Uh, so eventually after seven years, I began to feel frustrated. Uh, I was happy with my success, but I wasn't happy of not having a life. <laughs> I couldn't really go to a, a coffee shop and just sit there and enjoy a, a, a summer evening on the sun because no, they, I was a slave to my schedule. So uh, my partner and I decided to just close the school. We just, uh, it didn't happen overnight, but we let it, it took us about a year before we, we closed everything. And then I said, okay, what am I going to do with my life now? I took some time off just to enjoy some freedom. And while having a conversation with another friend, she was telling me about this new company called Airbnb. And she said, oh, yes, you know, you can rent apartments. And, and it was totally new concept. And I said, wow, that sounds interesting. And I did some research and I liked the idea. So I took some of my money and I bought a condominium in a touristic part of, of Montreal. And within three months, I saw that the growth was amazing. So just to put it in perspective, this apartment condo that I bought, if I rented to regular tenants, I would get about $1,000 of, uh, of rent money per month. But renting it through Airbnb, I was getting $6,000. Wow. 
so so that was like incredible so right away within six months i managed to borrow money to buy another condominium and then i bought a third one at the end of the uh, at the end of the day i ended up uh, managing five condominiums and that became now my full-time job yeah. and it wasn't it was a, a a job that provided me a lot of flexibility because because I had people who were cleaning for me basically and all I had to do was just the customer service and that was working out great uh but you know after <laughs> six years once again I got tired of it I said wow you know I I the telephone has become my boss and I cannot if I don't answer the phone for example, uh, a tenant, the lock wouldn't work one day. You know, if I'm not there to answer that, uh, it's just regardless. I, I ended up um, saying I, I'm, I'm getting out of this business as well. And, uh, well, I was happy, but but I just decided to, to change careers once again. So I closed. And then after I closed, they were they were beginning to be a problem with the city because Airbnb now was all over the city and um, people were complaining because there were not more properties available for regular yes. renters, whatever. I think it seems to me that I got out of a, at a good moment. And I took another break, about six months. I decided to uh, learn how to speak in public. I joined a club called Toastmasters International. And I also decided to explore podcasting because I wanted to have conversations. I, uh, uh, yes. Um, so that was the beginning of my podcasting uh, journey. Uh, and in addition to that, between there, because now it's been three years, I also started as a hobby, but became a business as well, a photography business. I started um I put a build a website, photographer. I started charging $200 for an evening and ended up after a second year, I was charging like somewhere about $3,000 to $5,000 for a weekend. And then COVID now ended that up. Uh, after, as soon as COVID came, there were no more weddings, no more corporate events, no more birthdays. And since then, I have been focusing 100% in podcasting because that's uh, my my venue to get to meet people, to get to talk to people, to continue enriching my, my life, to motivate myself to explore so many different venues uh, that I never even considered possible. Uh, so that's in a nutshell. That's that's how my life have turned out since I was six years old until now. But you are an extremely agile entrepreneurial man who can feel what matters to you. We decide with the heart. It's not the head. And every one of these detours was a heartfelt one. It was not always good, but it was what you felt at the moment was really important. What I, I love about your journey, because I often work with people who are stuck or stalled, whose business or themselves have stopped being pleasurable, is that it's okay to make a change, isn't it? It's, it's necessary, because uh, if not, then 
it does. Okay, this is something that I see often. Uh, when I was, especially in Airbnb, my workday will start like at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I will go to a coffee shop with a friend, have coffee. And I will see, uh, I live in a busy neighborhood. I see all these people stressed going to work. And I know many of them are high earners. And then I said, I used to say, well, look at this individual. He has his brand new uh, BMW or Audi because that's the cars that people drive around here. And he has a beautiful suit, but he has to be at the office at 8.45 or 8 o'clock, whatever it is. And he had to say, yes, sir, no, madam, or whatever, all day long until he finally gets to get home. So, um, um, yeah, I I thought, well, the most important thing for me is to have the ability to be master of my own life, not to have a boss dictating to me for 20 or 30 years what is the next step in my life. And that took priority over having a high income. Maybe that's why I started talking about my dislike for institutions, uh, uh uh, at the beginning uh, of structures and and yeah, I guess my life has been a little bit fluid in in that way. It has to become from the heart something that I enjoy doing, and otherwise it's not worth doing. Now a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. Simon Associates is us, and we love to help you see, feel, and think in new ways to help you and your business grow. We specialize in applying the tools and methods of anthropology but we're also entrepreneurs and business builders. And we like to share our experience and expertise with you. So if you're stalled or stuck or starting up, give us a buzz and let's see if we can help you as well. You can learn all about us at simonassociates.net and read my book, learn about it at andysimon.com. There's a free chapter you can download and a toolkit you'll find very helpful. We're on Amazon and you can buy it as a book, an ebook, or even an audible that I recorded myself. We look forward to hearing from you. At simonassociates.net, info at simonassociates.net is right to us. Now back to our podcast. So the the place you are now, though, is personally very gratifying. You're enjoying using the podcast as a way to meet people, to poke into their heads. The podcast I did with you was very exhilarating because you didn't simply mm, ask me the normal questions. You got deep into my own journey and the purpose of my book. And I have a hunch that you're learning as much from all of your guests as you're teaching them in the process. And what are you learning? Well, uh, the one thing that uh, I learn every day is empathy. Uh, I place myself in the shoes of the person that I interview, and I try to see the world from their eyes. And just by doing that, my universe continues expanding every day. And, and this is something that we could apply in our day-to-day life with everyone. If you place yourself in the shoes of the other individuals, then the arguments that we have every day will probably dissolve because everyone is seeing things from their perspective. And if we find that that common ground that is beneficiary for the other person and to yourself, then we will have a better relationship. But the only way to find that common ground is by putting yourself in the in the place of the other person. So that I I just don't stop learning that every day, uh, and it's just 
And it's something that we can use. All of us can use that. We can place ourselves in the boss, in the um, place of our boss, in the place of our subordinate, in the place of the waiter or waitress. And, and, and yeah, life will be so much better. Well, but you're also saying something very important for the listener. Yes, I can be empathetic, but you're really compassionate. Mm. And those are related but different. Empathy, I can feel your pain. Compassion is how do I help you address your pain? And it's not sympathy either. But when I teach my leadership courses, we talk about compassionate management, compassionate leadership. Because what you're describing is that I'm only good if the person I'm talking to uh, can see better ways to be the best that they can be. And so this kind of compassion and empathy makes it quite an exhilarating conversation when you're doing this podcasting. Who would have thought a podcast could get us so deep into the other person and begin to both feel compassion and empathy, but also help lead them in the process to someplace better for themselves as well. We both come out of a podcast session different than we went into it, don't we? Yes, for sure. I got to know you and I got to know the things that are important to you. I got to know about corporate anthropology, something that I was so surprised it even existed. <laughs> and of course, uh, I was reading today, uh, one of the hobbies that I do or activities that I do is uh, I like to play in the stock market. Okay. So I was reading about uh, this huge company called Boeing, which is, makes uh, um, airplanes, and the time that they uh, merged with another company, and because the merger didn't go as planned because they didn't see eye to eye, they started having humongous problems, and some of the airplanes have fallen out of the sky because two cultures were not able to get together and fill, uh, uh, make a better corporation. Uh, so, you know, I this is a moment that I say, oh, someone like Andy, who is a corporate anthropologist, would have been the person who could have saved not only the corporation, but the hundreds of lives that were lost because two teams couldn't get together and see eye to eye. And that I learned just by having that conversation with you. Well, but you're astute enough to apply it to another situation and begin to realize that, you know, why does a merger often fail? Because we have two other cultures anyhow. You know, I bet when you went from Colombia up into Montreal, Canada, you began to realize that as you learned English, the words didn't mean what you thought they meant. Everything had different meanings depending on the context and who was saying it. But when you think about mergers, these are two companies. How different could the words be? How different could the behaviors be? And they're like French and Spanish, or you know, it it they are far into each other to the point where they're so unfamiliar that we can't hear what they're saying, understand what they mean, or care about them. And why? Because for the sake of a larger purpose, we can't seem to get past our differences. And boy, humans like to hang on to those differences well past mm. the point when there are any value to them. So, but you're a futurist at heart. I have a hunch you're looking ahead so that you can live today. Where do you see yourself going or are you just in the moment? Mm. Well, um, I am all about community. Uh, before COVID-19, one of the things that I was doing, I was uh, organizer of uh, an event called LinkedIn Loco Montreal. 
And he, well, we had to stop those um, those gatherings because it's unsafe at this moment. But as I do my podcasting every day, I'm drafting the plans to start live events as soon as it's legally possible. And my dream now after after whenever after this COVID fiasco, if we could call it that, is to have events where I get to invite uh, business leaders to Montreal to come and share their knowledge uh, with us. So it's podcasting uh, at a higher level, podcasting, but instead of having people listening through their uh, headphones, listening live and shaking hands and hugging each other and sharing business cards or whatever it is that they share. So that's what I see for me and for my community for the future. And then after that, who knows? So I'll add one thought to your thinking about that. I had a great podcast uh, actually today with Klaus Rosted, who's an innovation specialist. And he runs something where he brings people together, at least he did before the pandemic, from different industries, a little like the Santa Fe Institute. Because what he learned being an innovator was that people who came together from the same industries or the same backgrounds were very happy to be together in a clubby kind of way. And they were very tribal. They were very herd animals, like humans are. Um, but they weren't very innovative. The ideas that were new were usually shot down fast. So he began to bring in people from different industries. The Santa Fe Institute used to have people who were mm, entomologists on the one hand, studying ants or bees on the other, studying you know workflows in companies and beginning to learn what ants did in order to begin to see metaphors that could be used in business. I mean, it was a way of generating ideas beyond what we knew because we didn't know all of that stuff. But someone did. And by pulling them together, he made innovation labs that people were were coming to because they needed fresh ideas. And I think that as people look for the new normal coming out of this, that when they start to gather, they may go back to where they used to be. Or they may begin to think that maybe there's an opportunity by meeting with people who are new, different, that we can pick ideas and really uh, create some major transformation of our society for the next stage. Because I don't know what the old was that was so sacred. It wasn't necessarily so good. And I don't know whether this new is so bad. Um, but I do know that people are looking for the comfort of what was in a time that's gone through a great transformation. You know, people who are working remotely, and for my, one of my clients, don't want to go back to the office. Mm. They don't want to drive for two hours. They don't even know why they should. The whole rationale behind it has diminished. And so, and and I know people who want to get doctors to use telemedicine because they don't want to wait in the doctor offices. And so how many ways can we begin to use the new to better ourselves for the future? Do you have any thoughts on it? Are you reflecting on it as well as I am? Uh, no, to be honest, as you just said, uh, people are finding out that this new, uh, it just suits a lot of people. Yeah. One in one industry that is going to be totally transformed is the real estate, uh, real estate business. I mean, what are businesses going to do with all these offices now that they discover that the employee is way better off working from his home? And not only that, why do people need to come now to ex expensive cities like New York, Los Angeles, um, Vancouver, 
when they can live two or three hours away and do the same work from from the computer. So yeah, all those industries are going to be totally changed, transformed, and who knows what's going to be the new normal. But we had to, the, we had to continuously adapt and 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 see. Uh, look, uh, uh, we had a huge amount of unemployment at the beginning of COVID, and COVID is not going away. But people are finding new ways to earn a living, and unemployment is is decreasing. And who knows where uh, those those jobs are coming from? But they are coming some from somewhere. I had people in my podcast saying that uh, artificial intelligence and automation is going to kill all those jobs, but people continue finding ways to to invent (laughs) new positions, new professions, things that didn't exist even five years ago. uh, Now are the the, uh, top jobs, you know, like uh, something as simple as Uber Eats. You know, this was unimaginable five years ago. Now that is the subsistence of almost all restaurants. And it was just created just like that because we are... uh, resilient because we are creative because we have no other choice but to find new ways to make a living. Your point, you started that whole section there by saying, I'm not sure. And then you came up with some brilliant ideas. So I agree with you. I think these are, we're very, um, we're ingenious humans. We've evolved over millions of years because we've adapted. And it wasn't just when the buffalo disappeared. I mean, we figured out all kinds of ways of finding new ways to thrive. And I do think that's what's coming next. Elaine, it's been wonderful. Can you leave our listeners with one or two things that you'd like them to remember? Because they remember the end better than the beginning. Well, uh, I got books all over my house. Okay, whenever you open a book, it's like opening additional file, computer files, or, or putting additional memories in your computer drive. Your universe just continue expanding. And, and so uh, books is a way to continue Multi, I mean, don't get bogged down by all these social media that we see in our phone, all this addiction. I mean, I love my phone just like anybody else. But uh, but this is way more valuable. I mean, uh, uh, so getting to the habit of reading every day, yes. 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever, is just going to make your mind grow. And, 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 and we have wonderful authors like Andy who wrote a book called Rethink. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah, so. I, I couldn't agree with you more because, you know, when you think about it, if everything's going to be digital and Google knows everything, why write a book? Well, you'd be amazed at how people read, share. The book clubs are abundant. Uh, the audibles are great. Eat. I mean, how many different ways can you read or listen to a book today? But we learn from them, don't we? Right, right. We we learn because we. Uh, when I read a couple of lines, my mind stops. Okay, and then I try to imagine that situation, that scenario, and what I imagine and what you imagine are to- two totally complete different things. We read the same lines. Yes. But your creativity is reinforced by your past experience and my creativity reinforced by my past experience co- create a different picture for all of us. 
and and that fits us. And we say, well, if this Andy says that this can be done this way, maybe this can be done this other way. And that's how you build a better corporation, a better job, a better life, yeah. how you create more empathy, how you become, uh, get to know other humans being better just by letting that imagination uh, uh uh, ferment in your mind which is not something that you get when you see a movie for example a movie you are just one frame after the other one 60 frames per second and and you have to continuously catch up with that but a book you can just stop think about it digest that information and then once you digest it at the way that you mind i see it then you can continue f- forward this has been a true pleasure I'm honored that you came onto my podcast. It was a delight to be on yours. Elaine, if people would like to reach you uh, to be on your podcast or to share anything, what's the best way they can do that? And uh, you all, but I don't think we're going to do that. <laughs> the, hood, uh, the, uh, the place for everything is my website, alainguillot.com. There, I mean, if you are into social media, there's links for that. Uh, but, or you can just... Um, submit your name for the mailing list and I send one email every week just with a summary of everything that has happened during the week. So that's the best way. And and please say hello. If you listen to this podcast, just send a message and say, hey, I listened to to you in in the Andy Simon podcast. You know, just hello. And that will be so that will that will fill me of joy. I will push that little joy, a little applause, a little moment of, of kindness, but more than anything, connecting and, and saying thank you for sharing your life journey with us, for your insights and for your smile. It's been absolutely wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having, having me, Andy. It's been fun. For our listeners, thank you for coming. Our viewers, thank you as well. And remember, our job is to help you get off the brink and soar. And so I hope our our interviewee today, our guest, Elaine Gulot, has been absolutely perfect for you to think about your own life. It's never a destination. It's always a journey. And as you keep moving along, you can be the best you can be. Just, you know, keep trying. See how it feels. And remember, we decide with the heart and the eyes and then the head. So don't overthink this. It's a wonderful time. My book, Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business, is on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookseller. And it is indeed selling very well. The reviews are wonderful. And I can tell you one review that stuck with me was a man who said, I can finally give my daughter a book. She's 17 and a minority. And I want her to see that she can become the best that she can be. And I went, bingo. That's the whole point, sharing it so others can do really well. So I'm going to say goodbye. Please stay well, stay healthy, and smile a lot. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye now.